You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2023 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. Today's uh, topic is the role of the husband, father, and the wife or mother in marriage. We're going to cover those topics today. We live in a world of confusion. Would you agree with that, especially on this topic? Oh, man. The role confusion of husbands and wives, of fathers and mothers, of authority in general. You have noticed that the, the question of authority in general is a problem. We don't like to listen to anyone, and I will put my hand up when my husband would say, right? It's hard. Like, we kind of know, right? We know what we think we should do. Um, I don't know how your churches did for COVID, but that was a really nice awakening to our independent mindset. We each have our opinions and we think we are right, right? And we're willing to kind of um, treat people in a way that we really shouldn't treat people because we know that we're right and you're wrong, kind of a thing. So sometimes, even in Christianity, we can treat each other in ways, and even in our own homes, um, that role of authority in general. Teachers face it all the time. Anyone can hear a teacher? Okay, you know what I'm talking about, right? It's hard. And sometimes, I have, my sister was a teacher, and sometimes it's harder. The kids are not always the problem. Sometimes your biggest problem comes from parents. So it's like, these. it's, it's an issue today. We have a hard time dealing with authority or those who have a different opinion than us. I want us to look at the verse in Judges, Judges 17, 6. Have you ever, any of you read through your Bible, like tried to do the reading through your Bible in a year? Did you get to Judges and were like a beyond appalled? Oh my word, I was like, Lord, you've got to show me some things here because when you're cutting people up and sending body parts to different parts, like, come on, like this is really graphically gross, right? But this verse answers that. This verse is the answer to those questions like, why did this happen? Judges 17, 6. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. You guys, we live in a society today where we do everything that's right in our own eyes. And so there, we don't have an ultimate authority. And as a matter of fact, if I don't like what the Bible says, well, that's because that was that culture and that day and that we have this whole list of excuses. So even if the Bible clearly speaks about something, and there's some things that we're a little bit more understanding about, for example, the seventh day Sabbath, is the Bible clear about what day to worship on? Yes. Do we struggle to understand that it's important to worship God on that day? Yes. We, I have wonderful Christian friends And they don't worship on Sabbath. They're incredible, kind, helpful, wonderful people that do a lot of really good things. But they do not see that it's important to worship on Sabbath. Why? Because if you're going to go to what the Bible says, there is no reason why. The Bible says very clearly over and over again, the seventh day is a Sabbath, right? But then how do we keep that Sabbath? So the Bible very clearly says how to do that too. But man, that can be a little trickier, can it? It's trickier for me. We want to keep, we don't want to become where the Sabbath becomes a burden, right? So there's a balance there. But nor do we want to break the Sabbath and act like it's not a holy day at all, that we can do whatever we want on that day. And we struggle to find balance. And this is one of those topics that we struggle to find balance because the world says something totally different than what God's word says. So we're going to dig into this a little bit. We live in a culture that denies the existence of truth. Do you recognize that? There is no absolute truth in our culture. Whatever you believe, girl, is good for you, and that's true for you. It's so bad that we have children who we don't even want them to know if they're a boy or a girl, right? Let them decide what they're going to be. Biology has nothing to do with it. It's a decision of what you feel like. To the extent that if the child feels like they're a cat, they can meow in class and they can have a litter box in the bathroom. You guys, that is like, that's messed up. Isn't it sad? And then these children are growing up with no understanding of truth, what is that going to do to your psyche and to your mind? And we wonder why we have so much mental instability today, right? It's a mess. It is such a mess. But there is truth. There is truth. And it's found in God's word. And it's there for every one of us to find. But I will tell you this, it crosses self, but it's the best way. This is the best way, you guys. You want a happy home? This is it. God says, and this is how it's done. 
So we're gonna, <laughs> there was this university student that was seen with this large K printed on his t-shirt. This killed me. When someone asked him what the K stood for, he said, confused. Uh, but the questioner replied, you don't spell confused with a K. And the student answered, you don't know how confused I am. <laughs> I feel like that sometimes. I remember when we had little ones and I would look out at the families around me and I felt like, how do we know how to raise our kids? Like, you're not seeing positive, good, wonderful examples of what you want your children to grow up like, not even within the church. So it was like, it was super disturbing to me. And I wanted to do it. We want to do it right, right, right? We want to do the best for our kids. But there is only one way. And that's to study God's word. There's so much confusion in our world about the role of men and women. We have a true gender identity crisis. Even among Christians, or should I say especially among Christians, because of all people, we should not be confused. We have God's word. But we have this huge confusion. We have so many voices shouting so many differing points of view. But God's word is clear and faithful and true. We can count on it. It's not based on culture. Did you guys know that the Bible is not based on culture? You may hear that. But it's not. Why was Jesus crucified? Because he did not bend to culture. It's not popular necessarily, but it is true, and it is right, and it is best. If we study with an open heart, we will find clearly what God has designed, and when we live by God's design, happiness, peace, and joy are ours, even, this is the best part, even in adversity. Our peace and happiness aren't dependent upon awesome circumstances. It's not dependent upon an awesome spouse. Our peace and happiness and joy is dependent on an awesome God. That's where it's at for us. So yesterday we read about, we talked about God's perfect plan for Adam and Eve in their garden home, right? What he wanted, what he was looking for. We talked about several common points, right, of ways, the ways that we talk, the way that we, that we think that were based on two principles, love for God and love for Mankind, right? That was the foundation. If that's where our foundation is at, that's where joy is going to be at. Was any, did any, who heard the early morning message this morning? Did anyone hear about that? Was that not good? I loved it because we had talked about Eden and everything. And then they talked about how he had brought up in his message this morning that the further, when Adam and Eve first left the garden, that they had to go west. And west was because the garden gate was in the east. And when they worshiped God, they had to turn, I'm sorry, they had to go, am I right? No, they had to go east because they had to face with their back to the sun to worship God. There we go. So the further they went toward the east, the further they got from God. Remember the Tower of Babel was in the land of the east and like all of these things, they kept moving further east because it separated them further from God and a remembrance of God to the point where they denied the existence of God, even though the garden is there with a flaming sword all of that stuff. So we think, like, how could people be atheists today? How could be people be atheists then? You have a garden. Like, if you want to take a trip, you can go there. See the angel with the flaming sword. Standing there, the, the God's presence, you could see it. They would worship there. That's where they did their offerings to God. You guys, it doesn't matter what evidence God gives us. If we don't want to believe it, you're not going to believe it. You don't, it doesn't matter what the evidence says. So let's go into this with an open heart. The Lord was pleased with all the noblest, uh, the last and noblest of his creatures and designed that he, should be the per, they, that he should be the perfect inhabitant of a perfect world. But it was not God's purpose that man should live in solitude. He said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helpmeet for him. And God himself gave Adam a companion. He provided and helped me, a helper corresponding to him, one who was fitted to be his companion and one who could be with him in love and sympathy. Eve was created from the rib taken from the side of Adam, signifying that she was not to control him as the head, nor to be trampled under his feet as an inferior, but to stand by his side as an equal, to be loved and protected by him, a part of man, bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. She was his second self, showing the close union and affectionate attachment that should exist in this relation. God celebrated the first marriage. Thus, the institution has for its originator who? God, right? The creator of the universe. Marriage is honorable. 
I love this. It was one of the first gifts of God to mankind. It was one of two institutions that after the fall, Adam brought with him beyond the gates of paradise. Or the two, marriage and the Sabbath. Two things that they were able to bring. When divine principles are recognized and obeyed in this relation, marriage is a blessing. It guards the purity and happiness of the race. It provides for man's social needs. It elevates the physical and intellectual and moral nature. So here's the beautiful picture that we have. Remember we talked a little bit yesterday with the Trinity. You know, we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and the three are one. There's the same triangle picture that you have that God gave us that we get to experience every day. You have the, your husband, you have the wife, and you have God. And when we're at the bottom of the triangle, and if God is at the top, the closer we get to the Lord, what happens? the closer we get to each other, right? And so um, Adventist Home puts it this way, make Christ first and last and best in everything. Constantly behold him and your love for him will daily become deeper and stronger as it is submitted to the test of trial. And as your love for him increases, your love for each other will grow deeper and stronger. Isn't that awesome? So where, if you want to have a happy marriage, what is your key? That's right. God is first, right? God is first. God is last. God is best. He's everything. And as you both have that, you both draw closer to the Lord and brings you closer to, to each other. That is Adventist homepage 105. I love this. This is Adventist homepage 106. Though difficulties, do we experience difficulties? Yes. Perplexities. You ever experienced perplexities in your marriage? Absolutely. Discouragement. Have you ever been discouraged? I have too. Determined to be all that is possible to be to each other. And so many times, doesn't that person become almost the enemy? It's like, oh my word, right? No, we want to have that be determined to be all that is possible to be to each other. Continue the early attentions. What does that mean? What are the early attentions? What do you think? What were the things that you guys did when you were first dating or, when, or whatever? Maybe you are still in the early attention stage, right? What are those things? I mean, you know, you write the little note, right? You send the text message, I suppose, today. We didn't have cell phones when I was that age. Isn't that amazing? I sound like an old person already, and I am not that old. Right? You do the phone call. You get together, right? You do stuff. You know, you're not like, oh, I don't want to do that. Like, if he wanted to take you fishing, girls, are you really going to be like, I don't want to do that? No, you're like, let's go fishing, right? But all of a sudden, after the three kids later, and he's like, let's go fishing. You're like, are you kidding me? Like, so what happens? You're tired, right? We, what happens is that we want to do things that make us happy. So instead of looking out for the interest of the other person, because, man, we're always having to give, you know, like seriously. So let's do what I want. And he always has to give too. Do you know that? He comes home and he's tired. He doesn't get to do anything fun because now this is broke and that's broke and he's still got to fix the car and figure out. You know what I mean? Or the kids are, you're like lost your mind that day. So they come home to everyone wailing and gnashing teeth. Right? It's, real life hits is what happens. And all of a sudden we become overwhelmed by our circumstances and we make them worse. Doesn't that sound like an awesome idea? Why do we do that? I've asked myself that. Like, you know, the Holy Spirit's amazing. Remember I told you that yesterday? I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit who's like, um, hello, like stop, right? Because we, we will make it like so much worse when we could have just listened to God's voice and made it so much better. We're going to face difficulty. It's going to be part of our thing, but how are we going to handle it? Determined to be, to be all that is possible to be to each other. Continue the early attentions in every way. Encourage each other in fighting the battles of self. Study to advance the happiness of each other. Wow, novel idea, right? What makes your husband happy? What makes your wife happy? I love flowers. I love them. I love them alive. I love them cut. I don't love them dead. So he, I'm not going to tell you that story. Okay. <laughs> Let me ask Tom first. And if Tom gives me the permission, I'll tell you the story. He always tries to do that for me too. And I really appreciate it. And he does tell a lot of stories on me, which make awesome sermon illustrations. And I really cannot deny him that joy. But um, I do want to check with him first. Continue the early, the early attention. Study to advance the happiness of each other. Let there be mutual love and mutual forbearance. What is forbearance? 
Yeah, patience, like kind of like an enduring patience though, right? It's like, it's like a not just a like, okay, I'll tolerate this. It's an enduring patience. Then marriage, I love this, instead of being the end of love, will be as it were the very beginning of love. Warmth of true friendship, the love that binds hearts to heart, is a foretaste of the joys of heaven. Isn't that lovely? That's what God wants for us. But guess what? It requires self-sacrifice. And that is what the hard part is, isn't it? Man, is that hard. Number one, when we put God first, everything changes. Remember yesterday we talked about think the right thoughts and right actions follow? If we think positive, happy thoughts about our spouse, about our kids, right? We view them differently than if we think the negative, like, oh my goodness. And then pretty soon, I remember when we were first married, and I don't know how this happened, but it just was a very natural process. If Tom did something that was irritating, that was a repeated thing, do you know what I'm talking about? Like some things are just like whatever, but you know, other things are like a repeated thing. Like I'm just going to use a simple illustration. He, this is actually not one of his things, but let's say he just leaves his clothes on the floor, right? Right next to the basket. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you could have like, seriously, right? Like literally right next to the basket. Like it could have dropped in there, but it didn't and dropped there. So, so we can be irritated about that sort of thing, right? We can get on them over and over again, like kind of like the recording, shut the door, shut the door, shut the door, put your clothes in the dirty clothes basket, right? But what, what kind of attitude accompanies that most of the time? It's an irritated one, right? The forbearance would not be the, that would be the antonym of what we're experiencing, right? So, but when we have the right thoughts, when we have the appreciative gratitude, when we're thankful and grateful, and we see the clothes on the floor, we're like, you know what? I am so thankful that he X, Y, Z, whatever, right? I'm glad I have my flat tire change. So thankful he's playing with the kids. You pick up the thing, you don't need, it's like whatever. Like, right? No problem. And that's what God wants for us. He wants us to have the right thoughts because then the right actions follow. God wants us also to be equally yoked. We hear this often in the idea of marrying someone who has the same spiritual beliefs as you, correct? But this, this whole thing is much deeper than that because there's a lot of different scenarios that can take, take place. One, you could have been married and then found the Lord, okay? So you can find yourself in an unequally yoked scenario that you didn't intend. Two, you could have been young and not realized the cost that you were gonna pay for being unequally yoked, right? And intentionally married someone that you didn't realize what would, the pain that it would cause you later. Or three, you can marry someone who you thought and who appeared to be and who was on the same spiritual, right? And then later made choices that are different and have chose to go a different way. So we can find ourselves unequally yoked in a lot of ways, but here's something that I want you to think about. Let's say that, for example, Tom and I, we prayed a lot. He had been through, um, i trying to think, his dad's been married four times? I think he's been married four times and his mom's been married five. So he came from a home that he was not interested in that at all. Like he knew the pain of that and he did not want to put himself or his children through that scenario. So when we were dating, we talked a lot about everything. And um, some of our conversations were fun and flippant and other conversations were very serious. I grew up without a television and I did not want a television in my home. And he grew up watching television with dinner. Like, who does that, right? So, um, and they, he watched a ton of sports. Like, he knew all the statistics of every, like, every, including golf, like, for crying out loud, right? <laughs> so, um, that was, like, a big thing. And I'm like, I don't want a television. So, for this, if you want that for your life, then you, you, I'm just not the girl for you. Like, we can part ways. And he's like, no TV. I'm like, no TV. He's like, no TV. And that's when he made the joke, joke crack that he says that, like, um, He's like, well, where are we going to eat dinner? That was his line to me. And I'm like, well, where are we going to eat dinner? So, but we chose that and we're very thankful for that. So we were equally yoked in some other ways too. We had common interests. We, I love the outdoors and he loves the outdoors and he's a really good outdoorsman. Like if it's raining and nasty, like we're in the boundary waters or whatever. And this is part of why I love outdoors. I'm sure is because of him. He can build a fire with anything. Like it's sopping wet for days. How does he have this like beautiful fire going? I don't know, but he knows how to like, 
He knocks over certain types of trees. He knows where the dry parts are of it. I mean, you're never going to, you, he can build a fire anywhere. It's pretty impressive. But to have those common interests, to have similar goals, we knew that we both wanted me to stay home and raise our kids. Like that was important to us. So we knew we were going to live with less because we're going to live with one income. Well, that's considerable. So we knew that there were going to be certain things. There were things that we had in common, but we, this was our main thing. We wanted what God wanted for us. We both wanted that. So when we were in um, discussions about things and we were seeing things from different points of view, we could both know, like, like even always in the back of our mind, that he wanted what was best and that I wanted what was best. So if we weren't seeing eye to eye, we could stop and say, okay, what would God have us do here? And a lot of things aren't moral issues. Have you guys recognized that? It's kind of a preference thing. It's not morally wrong to go camping over here, and it's not morally wrong to go on a whatever thing over here, but what do we want to do and what's going to benefit our family the most? And so you can have those times, or should we buy this? Shouldn't we buy this? Should we spend money on this or should we spend money on that? And some of those things can become kind of contentious because we have different opinions of how things should be done, but it's not a moral issue. So this is going to kind of get into the nuts and bolts of that. When we communicate to each other, how do we talk? This gets us in a lot of trouble. Have you noticed that? Our nonverbal cues, like, do you guys know that you have a sign that you wear when you talk to someone that either says, I'm open or I'm closed? Do you know we have the closed sign off and up for our spouse? Like, it, it, it could almost be neon. My mind is closed. So, have you noticed it with, I'm sure you guys have noticed, I'm sure the guys have noticed it with their wives, I'm sure the wives have noticed with their husbands, and you're talking to them, and you're sharing something that's really important to you, but you know, their mind is closed. Like, you are not getting through. And so, when we are, when, I want you to be conscious of that. When you're talking with your spouse, ask yourself, is my mind closed? Because if your mind is closed, it, it really produces this idea that, unfortunately, she doesn't care or he doesn't care. That's what we get out of that. Don't you get out of that? What, like when your spouse does that, you're like trying to talk to them and they're like, you're like, no, this is going nowhere. I got the mind is closed sign from Curtis. He's child number two in our family. I don't know what I was trying to talk him into doing. I do not remember what it was. I do remember him laying in his bunk bed because he had the top bunk. He's laying up there wrapped in his blanket and he looked at me and he said, mom, he's probably like 18. Mom, my mind is closed. And I'm like, oh brother. And with Curtis, when his mind is closed, it's like the key is chucked, like who knows where, like you are not opening that thing. And I laughed and I was like, all right, Bert, I'll talk to you about it later, whatever. And he was like, yeah, whatever, you know. I don't even remember what happened with it. It was not a moral issue. It was just something that I was trying to talk him into in any way. It was very funny, but mom, my mind is closed. And that would make me realize I do it too. I do that as well. So to be respectful, kind, loving, and open. Listen, like truly hear what your spouse is saying. Try to understand what they're, where they're coming from. Do you know that sometimes we're super stingy? I can be super stingy. I think of myself as a giving person, but you know that I can be really stingy? Do you know where we're the stingiest? It's not with all the dishes we wash or the clothes that we do or meals that we make or whatever. That's not where we're stingy. Or the jobs that you guys do. That's not the stinginess either. Do you know where we're super stingy? Is with our words of appreciation and love and affirmation and all those things. We feel like because we say, oh, you know, goodbye, honey, have a good day, I love you, that we were super generous. That may be the only I love you that we actually hear or that we actually say. Or maybe when we go to bed at night, okay, good night, honey, I love you. What about all day long? What other things did you say? If you try for a 50-50 ratio, can you imagine the transformation making the life of your children and of your spouse? If you were to make yourself say, okay, did I say 50% of my words that were loving and affirming and encouraging? Or was I more directive? I'm a getter done gal. I will not deny it. I can come home and if the house, especially, especially if the house is a mess. Okay, and now I'm talking about those of us who have older kids here. Because of course, when the littles are little, they can't do a whole lot and it's just kind of like you're gonna deal with it, right? But a 17 year old knows how to take the crumbs that he made from his sandwich thing, wipe it off into the trash can, put the knife actually into the dishwasher because we have one of those. And 
to put all the toppings and whatever away. Like how awesome is that? They actually know how to do all of that stuff. So then when I come home and the kitchen looks like 47 sandwiches were made or three different like um, short order chef like items have been created, but nothing has been put away. I'm like, so that's my job? Like, you know what I mean? Like, so we get defensive, we get irritated, right? About those sort of things. How do we use non-stingy words then? That, I'm telling you, right there, it all falls apart sometimes for me. I would say I have less than a 50-50 ratio of doing that one right. I bet my kids would say I'm probably about 20% on that one. Because there's certain hot buttons we have, and that may not be your hot button. You may have a different hot button. But we have certain hot buttons that, man, when you don't fulfill that one thing, whoa, like that's a deal breaker. Why is a messy kitchen a deal breaker? Seriously, how long does it take me to wipe the crumbs off and put the stuff away? But you know what? You know how we are. It's not about that. It's about the thoughtlessness, right? It's about the whatever. Like we have our reasons why it's not about that. But, and so then we're, we're not just stingy with our words. We're unkind with our words. So then we have that forbearance is like out the window, right? Here comes the irritation and the um, impatience. We're like... What in the world? Like, it comes out demeaning, right? Hello, do you not know how? Like, the whole duh. And my husband calls it the singing voice, and he hates it when I do it. And so it's like, you know, we have our, we have our things that we, in the way that we say it, is so rude and so demeaning and so unkind. And obviously, if they were thinking, you know what, I better take this care of this, they would have done that. Clearly, like, have you ever asked your kids, what were you thinking? Um, well, what are they supposed to say? Clearly, they weren't thinking or they would have done it the right in the first place, right? So they're supposed to say, um, uh, you usually get the answer, I don't know, right? Because they don't know what they were thinking. But we can do that to our spouse, too. Man, doesn't that hurt just a little bit where we're just like, we're just not kind. We're not thoughtful. We didn't come across it in the right way. Our communication is super, super, super important. You want to have a happy marriage? Don't be stingy with loving, kind, affectionate, patient, enduring words. You can do so much more. I know that uh, supposedly, you know, you have the five love languages and words of affirmation are higher on some people's things than others, which is probably true. But I am telling you, words of affirmation are high on everyone's list. And I want you to think about one of the things you appreciate about the Bible. Tell me what you love about the Bible. Truth? You're going through a really hard time. What are you digging up in the Bible? And what would you call that? God's words of affirmation, right? I love you. I'm there for you. I could list off several of my favorite promises. Isaiah, like, I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. I mean, can you picture God? I mean, the one about him rolling up his sleeve or whatever. Like, I mean, it's so cool, right? Why do we love that? Because God gives us ample words of his love and affirmation all the time throughout his word. But with each other, we're like super stingy. Why? We need those written notes. God wrote it so we could reread them over again. Write the notes. Write the note to your kid. Write the note to your husband. Write the note to your wife. Say, I love you. You mean this to me. I am so thankful that you're my kid. I love to tell my kids that. I'm so glad you're my kid. I could have gotten any other kid, but I got you. You are an amazing person. I told Tommy that yesterday, and he always acts so weird when I say it, like, oh, brother, you know, like, I'm not all that. I'm like, Tommy, you really are all that. I'm glad you're my kid, right? I'm glad you're my spouse. I'm glad you're my husband. I'm glad you're the one for me. And when we say those words, we build each other up. Say the words. Don't be stingy. Quality time. Do you know that quality time? We talk about quality time, right? When you think about spending quality time, do you know that we can do things that we think are quality time that aren't quality time just because we're together? There are things that just really don't qualify. And I know I'm going to step on some toes here and I'm really sorry, but watching movies together is not quality time. Why? Why can't that be quality time? It is time that you're together, but why isn't it quality time? Yeah, you're not really focused on each other. You're doing something together, but you're not connected. You're not interacting. You're not looking at each other. You're not talking to each other. You're not, you're not hearing about each other's dreams and thoughts and plans. So when you think about quality time, I'm talking about I want you to be intentional planning time in nature. Do you know some of the best times that we've had together is actually serving together? Doing something that makes a difference 
for our home or our community. Those things have been awesome experiences. Tom and I look back in our life and some of our favorite things were projects we've done. We built a log home together. Oh, I thought I just turned this off, did I? No, okay. Um, we built a log home together. That's one of our happiest memories. I peeled every one of those logs. I belt sanded everyone. I routed everyone. We, he had the big backhoe that he had put together from a boatload of crates because the guy had had a fire in it and hadn't assembled it together. And he'd never even worked on a backhoe before and assembled the whole thing by these parts that were in containers. Like, how cool is that? He used that backhoe to hang all the logs. I was on the ladder setting them. He'd come along with the big drill and drill them. We had a blast. That was quality time. We had so much fun doing that together. When we're on the boundary waters together, we're carrying canoes and backpacks and laughing and having a good time. And I'm taking pictures of the fish he catches because I like to fish vicariously because I don't like taking them off the hook. So um, we do those sort of things, right? I love doing that. I'm his trolling motor. I troll around, which I'm not very good at because I like watching birds too. So sometimes he's like, he, he says, when I get too far away from shore, he's like, land ho! And he puts his hand up like that. And I'm like, whoa, we're way out in the middle of the lake. And then other times he's like, well, looks like we're going to beach it, matey, you know, because we're like really close. And I'm like, oh, wait, we'll come back. So it's not a perfect thing, but we have fun together, right? Those things are true quality time. Enjoying the nature, things that we can do that God can be a part of our true quality time. Things that aren't quality time that we sometimes our world says are quality time our movie nights, going to concerts that are not spiritual concerts. Spiritual concerts can be quality time. Um, entertainment parks, it may be time you're in the same location together, but they're not quality time. So I read this article. I'm going to get into the roles now of, oh, wow, in 10 minutes. This is going to be good because I have 10 minutes for the fathers and 10 minutes for the husband or for the wives. Okay, here you go. I can talk really fast. So if I'm talking too fast, just give me like the sign, okay? Like we can no longer understand you. But this is super important. There is a story of a man who died and went to heaven to find two signs above two different lines. One sign said, now you guys know this is just a joke, right? Because clearly we don't die and go to heaven. Okay, just want to make sure. I thought, and then I'm being recorded. I'm like, I need to clarify. Okay, one side sign said, all those men who have been dominated by, dominated by their wives stand here. That line of men seemed to stretch off through the clouds of infinity. The second sign read, all those who have never been dominated by their wives stand here. And underneath the sign stood one lone man. He went over to the man and grabbed his arm and said, what's the secret? How did you do it? The other line has millions of men and you're the only one standing in this line. The man looked around with a puzzled expression and said, well, I'm not sure I know. My wife just told me to stand here. <laughs> We've all heard the jokes about who wears the pants in the family, but yet leadership in the home, it really is no joking matter. And the last few decades of our culture has redefined the meaning and the responsibilities of men and women in society and the home. And it has been wonderful. Do we see good results in our family and society? No. Our families are dying. It's chaos. Many men are confused and insecure. Many do not know how to act in the home. Growing up, they had no good model for male leadership loving, Christ-like male leadership. Satan has laid schemes to undermine the authority and influence of men through television sitcoms. Do you guys remember some of those? I'm trying to remember. I never watch TV, so this is where my husband usually does this part of it. But um, he says something about Archie Bunker. Do you know what I'm talking about? And he was like, just kind of like a dumb, like Edith or something was like the best. I'm really sorry. I'm going to slaughter that. We'll just let that go. But you guys know what I'm talking about. Think back on television sitcoms if you watch them or movies that make men look stupid and lazy. This has not been an accident. I want you guys to remember, you know the great controversy, right? Okay, so we have Satan is laying a foundation. And as he has gone through, he has been trying to undermine the authority of God's word of those in spiritual positions of leadership. So you'll hear people criticize teachers, pastors, our, our administration in the conference, as if we know everything, right? Because I know. So, you know, I, I'm gonna criticize 
Delwyn Garcia because I had an inst instance with my kid at this school and I'm going to criticize him even though I know nothing about the entire situation. I only know my little corner, but I'm happy to criticize him in front of everyone else and to all my friends because he didn't handle it the way I think he should have. I don't even have all the information. And he may not even be able to impart that to me because of confidentiality. But I'm really fast to be able to say, well, you should have done it the way I think you should have, when I don't know everything. And we are really fast to do that with authority. And our kids hear it. Our kids hear it. So we have this, we have undermined authority. And he's laid the temptations and distractions that have led them away, where I'm talking about men in particular, of their high calling and vitally important role. Men, we need you. We need you. God has called you to a very special position in your family, in your churches, and in our society. We need godly men who will stand up for what is right, though the heavens fall. Um, Adventist Home says, the home is an institution of God designed by that, that the family circle Father, mother, and children should exist in this world as a firm, like a business, right? The work of making home happy does not rest upon the mother alone. Fathers have an important part to act. The husband is the house band of the home treasures, binding by his strong, earnest, devoted affection the members of the household. Mother and children together in the strongest bonds of union. His name, house band is the true definition of a husband. But hear this. I saw that but few fathers realize their responsibility. Man, listen to this. He is the lawmaker, illustrating in his own manly bearing the sterner virtues, energy, integrity, honesty, patience, courage, diligence, and practical usefulness. The father is in one sense the priest of the household, Laying upon the altar of God at the morning and evening sacrifice. Fathers, this is your job. The wife and children should be encouraged to unite in offering this, in this offering and also to engage in a song of praise. Morning and evening, the father, as the priest of the household, should confess to God the sins committed by himself and his children through the day. Those sins which have come to his knowledge and also those which are secret, which God's eye alone has taken cognizant, should be confessed. This rule of action, zealously carried out by the father when he is present or by the mother when he is absent, will result in blessings to the family. God has good things for us. I love this, Daz. Listen to this. The father will bind his children to the throne of God by living faith. Isn't that awesome? To bind your children to the throne of God? Just trusting his own strength, he brings his helpless soul on Jesus, takes hold of the strength of the Most High. Brethren, pray at home, in your family, night and morning. Pray earnestly in your closet and while engaged in your daily labor. Lift up the soul to God in prayer. It was thus that Enoch walked with God. The silent, fervent prayer of the soul will rise like holy incense to the throne of grace and will be as acceptable to God as if offered in the sanctuary. To all who thus seek him, Christ becomes a present help in the time of need. They will be strong in the day of trial. Dads, you have a serious work to do. It is not a joke and it's not easy. But God is with you. God will give you the strength. God will give you the wisdom. God will give you the discernment. And wives, do we believe it? Because we have this issue with authority, right? So we don't like it when things don't go our way because we know. Maybe I should just speak for myself. Maybe you all are amazing. I know. I know what should be done. I know how it should happen. I know when I see my husband's insufficiencies and I'm not happy about that. We don't notice our own insufficiencies, of course, right? But we sure can notice those in our children and in our spouse. And so we can undermine his authority and make him not even want to try by our own attitudes and how we deal with each other. So remember to go back to those kind words, right? The loving forbearance. God calls men to be a leader. First Corinthians, he says, but I want you to understand that the head of every man is who? Christ. God is your head. And the head of the wife is her husband. Man, that is not a popular concept today. That is like, get yourself stoned, right? But this is God's plan. Why? Did you know that God is a God of order? 
Do you know that in heaven, different angels have different jobs? Do you know the angel who was dissatisfied with his job in heaven? How'd that work out for him? How'd it work out for us? But yet we think it's going to be okay in our situation because we know better. So we have this whole misconception and we do not see as God sees. Now I do know who is our first authority always. Men, women, children, everyone. Who is our first authority? God. If I as a parent ask my child to do something that is contrary to the word of God, what should my child do? They need to do what God says, right? Their first obligation is to God. If your husband asks you to do something that God has said not to do, what is your responsibility? You have to obey God in a spiteful way? No, in a Christ-like loving way, right? But there are many things that we face, as we talked about earlier, that have nothing to do with moral issues. It's simply your opinion or my opinion. And I am here to tell you that something has to happen or mass chaos disrupts, right? And thankfully, and I am truly thankful, as much as my husband could say I have balked him on so many things, I am thankful that ultimately the buck stops there. I'm not ultimately responsible. He's ultimately responsible. But sometimes I make his job really difficult. I will not deny it. We have our moments where I think he is like, oh, Lord, what have you given me in this woman? While I may have wonderful gifts, I think I can definitely try his soul. So it says Ephesians 5, and 24, I am going to read it. It's so important. This is God's word, you guys. This is truth. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, not in place of the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and himself to its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so wives should also submit everything to their husbands. But it goes on, right? It does not stop there. In order for this to work, there's a two part that has to take place. The wives need to submit to their husbands and the husbands need to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. How selfish was Christ? Is Christ? None, right? So husbands, in everything you do, God's calling you to a ridiculously high calling. He's asking you to be selfless in your leadership of your family, that he is first and that your family is second. The needs of your wife, the needs of your children, that comes second. Yourself is the bottom of the barrel. And the wonderful beauty of this whole thing is that that's where joy is at. We think Satan likes church. He tries to put out these little glittery trinkets. Did you guys ever watch Pilgrim, or not watch, listen to Pilgrim's Progress? I've never watched it. I can't imagine it'd be probably pretty scary to watch it. But, you know, and he put the little trinkets along the path, but they were all attract, as, uh, attached to a trap, right? So if you picked it up, then you were trapped by whatever that trinket was attached to. But sometimes we hold on to these dumb little trinkets like they're like worth everything to us, but it's making us unhappy and miserable and sick and depressed and all these things, ruining our relationships with one another. But we think we know and we're going to hold on to this. And God's saying, wait, if you'll follow my structure, if you'll follow my order, this is going to be beautiful. And you want to experience the true joy of Adventist home. It's right here. Husbands, a selfless leader and wives, happily and appreciatively submitting to their leadership. But man, we have self, don't we? They have self, our spouses have self, and we have self. And so it's a constant battle. But fight the good fight. God is going to be with us, right? I love it. I think God is so, so faithful. The head does not mean male dominance. Where a man lords it over a woman and demands her total obedience to his every wish and command. Is that what God does to us? No, that is not Christ-like. We, in, in Jesus, he said, we're all equal, right? Galatians 3.28 says, there's neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free, no male nor female. You are all one in Christ. We have an equality and we are equally important in God's sight. So we want to make sure that we are careful in our, in the way that we interact with one another. Husbands, you need to love your children unconditionally. One of the missing ingredients in male leadership in homes is sacrificial action. When was the last time you gave up something for your wife, something you genuinely valued, like maybe your golf game, a fishing trip, or a hobby, 
Sometimes you need to give up something you enjoy so that your wife can have the break or see your love for her. I love these quotes from Adam's home and we are gonna have to like, I'm gonna shorten the quotes, but they're so good. Father, spend as much time as possible with your children. Seek to become acquainted with their various dispositions that you may know how to train them in harmony with the word of God. Never should a word of discouragement pass your lips. Isn't that beautiful? And it would be true of mothers too, right? Never should a word of discouragement Pass your lips. Do not bring darkness into the home. Be pleasant, kind, and affectionate toward your children, but not foolishly indulgent. Let them bear their little disappointments as everyone must. Do not encourage them to come with you for their petty complaints with one another, but teach them to bear with one another and to seek to maintain each other's confidence and respect. Fathers combine affection, authority, kindness, and sympathy with firm restraint. Give some of your leisure hours to your children. I am telling you, one of the things that has robbed us of this, moms and dads, what is it? It's the phone. I am telling you guys, it's a problem. It's a problem in my home. It's a problem in my life. I can work all the time now. I couldn't before. When I, my kids were little or whatever, like you had to go to work, like the computer stayed at work. You know, you really couldn't, but man, do you know that all of you can email me and I read that email at 11 o'clock at night, right? It's like we have a media, we can send a quick text message. Oh, I just don't want to forget, whatever. And it's so hard. I mean, we should just be able to just turn it off and just set it aside, right? But for whatever reason, we don't do that. And we did a little, for our ministerial workers meeting, we had a little, um, I don't know what you want to call it, but a get together, whatever. We had our young people and we asked them some of their favorite things about being a pastor's kid and some of their least favorite things about being a pastor's kid. And one of the top things was, is that we don't put down our work for the least favorite. They had, they had happy things too. But I thought, man, and I'm guilty of it. Tommy could tell you right now that we are guilty. He's like, mom and dad, if you ask him, he's like, mom and dad are never home, right? We're always doing something, but it's good stuff. So we're like entitled, right? No, wrong. And I have been so tempted so many times just to get a flip phone. And my kids are like, mom, that will never work. Then how are you going to work and whatever? And I'm thinking, that's the problem, like, right? So maybe, I don't know. I don't know how to do it. It's a problem that we need to solve. But we need to have that undivided attention time with, our, with each other, that quality time. Being able to serve together. It says, let the husband and his wife by, let the husband aid his wife by his sympathy and unfailing affection. If he wishes to keep her fresh and gladsome, so she will be the sunshine in the home, let him help her bear her burdens. His kindness and loving courtesy will be to her a precious encouragement, and the happiness he imparts will bring joy and peace to his own heart. Isn't that beautiful? When we bear each other's burdens, he's the provider. You should study the pattern to seek to know what is meant by the symbol, that the relationship that Christ sustains the church. So there's some beautiful quotes on that, but I want to go to the mother. We have six minutes to do mom. Here we go. The wife and the mother. Perhaps there has been no more other time in earth's history than women today need a clear understanding of how they should relate to their husbands and their children. There's been significant social changes that have been brought about by the social justice world of women's liberation, Right. Now, were there injustices? Are there injustices that need to be righted? Absolutely. But Satan has used that small, tiny bit of truth that he has mixed with a whole bunch of error. And that's where the problem comes. That's how he always does it, right? He always tells truth with the lies. He doesn't give you a full lie. You'd never believe it. So he gives you truth with the lie. They somehow feel like they'll lose their identity and freedom if they, if they adhere to the standard of God's word. But listen to this, Adventist Home, page 231. The king upon his throne has no higher work than has the mother. The mother is queen of her household. These are queens of your household. Isn't that amazing? What kind of kingdom do you run? Is it a happy, cheerful, do your, do your what is it called? Subjects, there you do. Are your subjects thankful for your rulership? <laughs> do they appreciate the kingdom that you've made for them, right? Does your, what does your husband feel like when he comes home to the house that you've, that you've made? What is the atmosphere? The mother is the queen of her household. She has in her power the molding of her children's characters that they may be fitted for the higher immortal life. An angel could not ask for a higher mission. For in doing this work, she is doing service for God. Let her only realize the high character of her task and it will inspire her with courage. 
Let her realize the worth of her work and put on the whole armor of God that she may resist the temptation to conform to the world's standard. For her work is for time and for eternity. Wow! Adventist homepage 231. We have an incredible role. We're the, we are the ones who are the helpers in everything, right? We help our husbands make sure they get off to a good start in the day. We make sure they're encouraged and they have the strength to be that godly leader that God has called them to be. Do you know, remember when, you, when we looked at Proverbs 31, there's the, that woman of great value, right? And it talked about her husband sits in the gate because he was someone who was recognized and respected in his town. Why? Because she built him up. She was there. That was part of what made him great was her greatness. And we have an obligation to our spouses to build them up, to give them strength and courage, to be praying for them. I can't tell you how many times I'll tell Tom, I know he's in a tough meeting, he's dealing with a tough situation, I'm like, I'm praying for you. I'll send him a text message, praying for you right now. That is such an encouragement. I know I love it when he does it for me. I know he's praying for me as I'm doing this presentation. How much courage does that give our hearts to know that God is with us? We can build each other up. We can sustain one another through the grace of God and by his spirit. We can petition the almighty God on their behalf. We want to be a helper to our husband. We want to respect our husbands. But what does that look like? It comes back to those words of appreciation, affirmation. Say the words. Don't be stingy. Say the words. Look for the things that you can find that are positive. Write them down in a journal if you have to. Make a note and say, I appreciate you that you did this. Be specific. I mean, it's fine to say, hey, thanks so much for always going to work every day. Like, it's kind of like him saying, thanks so much for doing the dishes. Like, yeah, we do the dishes. And I do appreciate your words of affirmation. But when he specifically does something, notice that, you know, I loved the way you spent time with your kids. And dad, I, dads, I will tell you this. If you want your wife to think you're the coolest dude ever, love her kids. We're kind of like these mama bears inside. And if somebody doesn't like our kids, it just doesn't go over real well with us. So if you're critical of your children and you're like, oh man, he was just such a brat. Like that's not gonna go over real well with mama bear. It would not go over this mama bear, right? These are our children and they're not brats. So you're gonna totally get me on a really bad rampage if you start out with that sort of tone, right? But when you love and you care for your children, and you are um, doing things with them and they're teaching them things. I used to, Jared, our middle Jared, that dude loved to see how everything worked. He was the cutest little blonde chubby toddler. And Tom would be trying to fix something. And every time he'd like bend down to go do something, he'd bump heads with somebody because Jared's like right there trying to figure out what he's doing. And tools would disappear. Do you guys remember that? Oh man, I'm telling you, poor Tom. They would drag things off into the forest and then he couldn't find them again and then it would rain and they, but they were building something, you know, and it, it, especially if it's power tools and he's just like, and you know, they try so hard to be patient, but it's hard, right? But when you watch them labor with the kids and kindness and love, isn't that not super attractive? It is like so attractive. We just, we, we love our husbands for their, their leadership, their kindness and their love for their children and for us. Wives, we are called to love our husbands, I mean, Titus 2.4. What does that love look like? How do you like to be loved? Just for what you do? That unconditional love, right? I love you for who you are, for what you are. I love you for this. I love you for that. Some of the things I love about my husband, I love his sense of humor. That guy can make me laugh so hard. I cannot tell you, there are so many times when we're laying in bed and he's I don't even know what he's saying. And then he says one of his, he has these little one-liners. And I'm sorry, Scott, he writes some hilarious songs. He'd never sing them for you, but they are so funny. And even the kids are like, Dad, sing the Knob and Wee song when he goes past Knob and Wee in the UP. And he like can't ever repeat it exactly the same. We have one, we went to Cal um, Oregon and on the coast, there is this cool place where the waves would come up and make this spouting horn. And the water would splash up out of this little hole. And I thought it was super cool. And so every time I drive past it, I'm like, let's stop at the spouting horn. And so he made up this whole little song about, we will weep and we will mourn. Please don't make us go to the horn or something like And he would sing all these weird songs. And the kids think it's hilarious. But that is like one of the things I love about him is that he can make us all laugh. He is so funny. And even in like ridiculously trying circumstances, and we're all wet and we're, he has pictures of the Boundary Water trip he just did with his boys as adults. They just went last October. And um, 
they knew when they went in, the weather was going to be really nice, but when it ended, it was going to be freezing cold. And so they come out in these snowflakes and you can see it going like this and they are like beaming. They're grinning from ear to ear. They're like having an awesome time. Why? Because they've got dad and it's fun, right? They're men together and this is great and they're having a good time. And those sort of things are the things that we love and we want to let them know. You want them to continue doing stuff, right? You need to let them know the things that you really appreciate and the things that you really do like. Um, to love our children, to appreciate, do you appreciate the leadership of your husband in all the areas you can? What if you're not married to a uh, Christian husband, like your husband hasn't chose to follow Christ or isn't with you in that? There are still areas of their leadership that you can appreciate and you need to do that. You need to do that. Sometimes we can become so, um, I don't know what you'd call it, bossy maybe? Maybe that's a good term. I remember one time we were driving. Directions have always been an issue because we're kind of in a quandary with this one because Tom doesn't pay very good attention when he's driving. So I'm like watching the GPS and I'm watching like our road go past and I'm like, okay, but we're like supposed to turn kind of back there. So sometimes I'll say, oh, you're turning here. And then he'll turn and it's, he does okay unless it like seems like I'm always telling him where to go. And then he's like irritated with me and I'm like, okay, well, I cannot say anything and we can drive past the road. And so then I'm like, okay, I'll just be quiet and let him drive past the road. And then the GPS will reroute him. And then he's like, oh no, I just missed my road. Well, he doesn't like that either. So, you know, some things are just a source of frustration and for us directions is one of those and I will not deny I have led him astray on more than one occasion and one of them included him having to jump the car and the camper up on the sidewalk because we had four lanes of traffic coming the other way when we thought we could turn onto a one-way road at the wrong way in Houston Texas so that's always in the back of his mind too but these can be moments of laughter too right we can look back of it have fun we could enjoy it even though we know that these things happen appreciate the leadership of your husband Help him to be all that God intended him to be. It says, God requires that the wife shall keep the fear and glory of the Lord ever before her. Entire submission is made only to the Lord Jesus Christ, who purchased her as his own child by his infinite price of his life. God has given you a conscience, and she cannot violate it with impunity. Her individuality cannot be merged with that of her husband, for she is the purchase of Christ. It is a mistake to imagine that blind devotion is to do exactly what her husband says in all things when she knows that in doing so, it would be injury against her body and her spirit, which have been ransomed from the slavery of Satan. There is one who stands higher than the husband to the wife. It is her redeemer. But in all other areas, we want to make sure that our husbands are the leader, right? If we can, do what we can. Never forget that you are to make home bright and happy for yourselves and your children by cherishing the Savior's attributes. If you bring Christ into the home, you will know good from evil. You will be able to help your children to be trees of righteousness, bearing the fruits of the spirits. Trouble may invade, but these are the lot of humanity. Let patience, gratitude, and love keep sunshine in the heart through the day, though the day may be ever so cloudy. Isn't that awesome? We can have sunny homes even though we're going through a lot. The home may be plain, but it can always be a place where cheerful words are spoken and kindly deeds are done, where courtesy, courtesy and love are abiding guests. So I want to close with this little story. At the heart of the city of London, there is a, I think it's called the Charing Cross. All distances across the city are measured from its central point. Locals refer to it simply as the cross. One day, a child became lost in the bustling metropolis. A city police officer, a Bobby is what they're called there, came to the child's aid to try to help him return to his family. The Bobby asked the child a variety of questions in an attempt to discover where he lived, but to no avail. Finally, with tears streaming down the boy's face, he said, if you take me to the cross, I think I can find my way from there. What an apt description for us. Take us to the cross, to the word of God, and we can find our way from there. Be faithful to follow what God's word says. God is faithful and true, and he wants our homes to be happy, but there has to be order. Just as in heaven, there is a hierarchy there are things, there are angels that are under under other angels where there are those in charge and in places, but they don't chafe under that. We're treated with kindness and love. Those who are in authority need to be with kind and love. We moms need to be kind and loving to our children. They're under our authority. But we have a huge impact on who our husband will become. And husbands, you have a huge impact on who your families will become. Let's make our homes a sunshiny, happy place with the love of God shining in our hearts, shall we? Let's pray together and then we're going to do our drawing. Father in heaven, Lord, I just want to thank you so much 
for your word. Lord, we have chaos around us in our culture, a chaos that denies even gender, as biological as that can be. Lord, we don't want to be led away by the confusion. We don't want to believe any of the lies that Satan has out there. We want to follow your word. Lord, I pray that our husbands would be the true spiritual leaders of our homes, of our churches, of our communities, that they would stand for the right, though the heavens fall, and that they would serve with all love and compassion their families and those around them in a selfless, Christ-like way. And Lord, I pray for us as wives and mothers, Lord, that we would truly be the queens of our home, that we would, that our, play, our homes would be places where our families love to be, where it's always sunshiny, no matter how cloudy the day may be, that your spirit and joy, kind words are spoken, that we are never stingy with good, kind words, but that we are generous, that we let them flow everywhere, Lord. May we build each other up. May our homes be the true paradise, the little taste of heaven that you have for us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org slash audio 2023 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcast.